Take your copy of God's Word, would you please, and turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. I hope you have a Bible with you. Always good as we open the Word of God to remind ourselves that we need His Word, we need His wisdom, and, and we have that reminder today in the passage before us. But before we go there, I want, I want to share just a, a couple of words with you. You should hear how some children describe love. Terry, age four, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Chrissy, age six, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give them give any of, of theirs. Billy, age four, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. <laughs> Danny, age seven, love is when, you're, when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the, the taste is okay. <laughs> Nika, age six, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend you, who you hate. <laughs> a friend who you hate, yes, that's what it says. And Tommy, age six, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. <laughs> and I, I can identify with that. Yeah, my, my wife still loves me even though she knows me so well. And God loves you and God loves me even though he knows us better than our spouses know us better than our children know us better than our parents know us God loves us there is one overriding theme we've been seeing in our studies here in 1 John and we've been seeing the identifying characteristics the identifying marks of a true believer in Jesus Christ at the end of our study last week we saw the theme of love introduced in verse 10. And I just mentioned in passing that it was kind of like an introduction to what comes next. And so we're at what comes next today. What we saw last time were two tests that reveal the true follower of Christ. Uh, the, the test of righteousness is test number one, and the test of brotherly love is test number two. And those, those should be the obvious fruit that that spring from the life of a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, a true follower of Jesus Christ, the test of righteousness and the test of brotherly love, those kinds of fruit should, should appear in our lives and be apparent to others. These should be the obvious fruit that appear in the life of the believer who is, who is fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is fixed on the Word of God and who is letting the Word of God do its work in its, his, his heart or her heart and mind and asking for God's will to be done in their own lives. So, so these, these fruit of, this fruit of righteousness and this fruit of brotherly love grows in a faithful believer who is truly following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's such a powerful thing to remember this, that no matter what you claim to be, the truth is revealed by what you practice. No, no matter who you claim to be, the truth is revealed by your practice of righteousness and your love for believers in Jesus or the lack of those characteristics in your life. We've actually seen the test of righteousness in detail in our previous studies when we noted especially that the one who is a believer does not make 
as verse 9 says, a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And this does not suggest sinless perfection, lest we think that's where it's going. It does not suggest sinless perfection. But what John is saying is that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord, you will not continually, habitually, and unrepentantly make a practice of sinning. And then last week we touched briefly on this test of brotherly love. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've truly trusted in Him as Lord and Savior, you will be learning how to love your fellow believers in Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's what we saw at the end of verse 10, which introduced this idea stated in the negative. Go and look at verse 10 again where we ended last week. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And note this last phrase. Nor, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Nor is the one who does not love his brother, his fellow believer in Jesus Christ his brother or sister in the family of God. As we move into the next verses, we see the test of brotherly love in the positive and with more emphasis. And today we're going to stay in verse 11. Look at verse 11. So let's look at it. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. The test of brotherly love is a clear standard by which we can judge ourselves. And God intends for us to look at our own lives. This is no time for nudging your neighbor. God's word always intends for us to get the log out of our own eye first. So we take the word of God and we bring it to bear in our own hearts and lives. I trust that's your desire this morning as we come to the scriptures. And we look at, for some of us, is a very familiar verse. And one that we tend to just read it and keep going. That's why I'm stopping here. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Whether we're believers in Jesus or not will be borne out by the evidence of our lives in whether we truly love one another as we should, or whether we're learning to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. The evidence will, will say something about our lives and about our place with Christ. The test of brotherly love is a clear standard by which we can judge ourselves as to whether we're in the faith or whether we're believers in Jesus Christ or not. It is, after all, the command of God that we love one another. This is not a suggestion. Let me make one suggestion. It does not say that. For this is the message. You've had it from the beginning. This is God's command. This is God's instruction. No matter what you claim to be, the presence or absence of brotherly love and the presence or absence of the practice of righteousness, those will reveal what and whose you really are. And so in verse 11, John points to the love that believers should have for one another. 
But this isn't the first time John has touched on the necessity of brotherly love in this letter. If you've been with us from the beginning of this study, you've heard back in 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We need to understand this, that love is inseparable from the life of a true believer in Jesus Christ. We noted it last time that the person who has repented of sin and trusted in Jesus has the love of God in them. Consider that. This ought to be an encouragement to us who struggle with our love at times and who among us doesn't struggle because we are all selfish creatures by old nature. We have a hard time breaking that habit. And so we all need help in this category of love. But if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, working in you, taking the word of truth as you read it and as you submit yourself to the preaching and teaching of the word to bring the word to bear in your life so that you're learning how to love other believers in the body of Christ, the church. You have the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus. We hear this from Paul in Romans 5.5, that love is a gift of the Spirit of God put into the heart of every believer. And this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because I just absolutely love the imagery here of, of the Holy Spirit. You know this passage, I think. Listen, verse 5 in Romans 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This is not our own work. This is a work, a supernatural work of God to give Him, to give Himself to His people by pouring into our hearts the Spirit of God who comes alongside of us and convicts us when we get this wrong and strengthens us as we take steps of obedience in the right direction to love one another as we should. He also says in 1 Thessalonians 4.9, speaking of Paul, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.9, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, even though I'm writing to you, he's, he's writing to them, because <laughs> I'm writing to you, uh, to remind you of this, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you struggle in this category of love, take heart. Because in your heart, in your life, you have poured into you the Holy Spirit who is coming alongside you to help you learn how to love as God intends for you to love your fellow believers in his church. John, later here in 1 John 4, obviously we're not in chapter 4 yet, but let me skip ahead to verses 7 and 8. He makes a similar statement saying that the believer has, as a part of the new nature, the nature to love one another. Listen, verses 7 and 8 in 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
Love for your fellow believer is a part of your new nature in Christ. Love practiced, love demonstrated in how you interact with other believers will be the growing practice of your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're taking steps to obey God's word, you will be growing in this discipline of love for your fellow believers in Jesus Christ. Now that is not to say that we will always practice love toward one another perfectly. We know this to be true. There will be times when we do not love one another as we should, and no one knows that like ourselves when we feel like we're not being loved as we should. And there are people around us who interact with us and think that we're not loving them as we should. There will be times when we do not love one another as we should. Someone once wrote, What is love? It is silence when your words would hurt. It is patience when your neighbors curt. It is deafness when a scandal flows. And that sounds good, doesn't it? But you and I know that we aren't always silent when our words would hurt. We're quick to speak instead of being slow to speak, like the Scriptures teach us to to be. And we aren't always patient when our neighbor is short with us. Sometimes we strike back. And we aren't always deaf when the gossip begins. Sometimes we listen and pass it on. There are times when as believers we do not love as we should. And we know this, don't we? But what we're hearing from God in this letter of 1 John is that the overriding practice of our lives... The growing practice of our lives will be that as God works in us, our lives as believers in Jesus Christ will take on the shape of the love of Christ at work in us. And will begin to show itself in the way that we interact with people. And so that we'll catch ourselves and close our mouths when we shouldn't say that thing that we were thinking in the moment. that we do not pass on the latest gossip. We don't listen to it. And when people are short with us, we are patient with them. Not because we have the power in and of ourselves to discipline ourselves to love, but because Christ has given us the power through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and help us be obedient in this important discipline in the Christian life. Learning how to love our fellow believers. God's word makes it clear. This is how the world will know. If we love one another, this is how the world will know that what we say is actually true because it's actually changing us. And we must be learning how to love biblically. Learning how to love God's way. Not the world's way. This is not living by the definition of love that the world gives you. This is living by the definition that God's word gives you. So note here that John points to one of the challenges to learning how to love one another. It's not just your own selfishness or my own selfishness that we deal with. It's that, but it's also this. It's what we believe. What we believe shapes what we do. 
And what we find here is that there's a danger of being misled in what we believe, which will hinder learning how to love one another. If we don't believe the right things, we won't do the right things. If we don't believe the right way, we won't live the right way. One of the dangers to your love for fellow believers in the church is that you can allow yourself to believe that it's possible to be a genuine follower of Jesus Christ and yet not care about truly learning how to love one another as you should. Note again what John says here in verse 11. And this is such an important statement. Again, we we tend to skim over this. Look at the first part of verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. Let's get back to the basics, says John. Let's go back to the beginning. This is the message that should shape all of what you're hearing here in this letter of 1 John. This is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, if the message has been heard from the beginning, why does John need to give this reminder? I mean, it's been around from the beginning. It's like verses, passages of Scripture that I read to you that you're so familiar with. You, you can picture the words in your mind. You've seen them hundreds of times, many of you. But why does he say, well, this is what you've heard from the beginning? Why does he repeat and, and bring this back up and, and, and teach on it, write about it? Because one thing John is doing in this letter is confronting false teaching. He's dealing with false teachers that had crept into the midst of the church and and the teaching they brought along was taking people from this truth. There were people who had come along saying that they were united with God and they were speaking on God's behalf and yet they were not loving God's people. They were not loving their brothers and sisters who they claimed to be in the church. They boasted of their wisdom. They boasted that they had the truth, but they weren't loving the believers. And so they were found to be false teachers. And so that's one of the things that John is doing in this letter. He is confronting false teaching and false teachers to help the church be on guard against this. There, there were people who had, who had come along and proclaimed that they had some new truth and some new teaching. And that's why John continually points back to the authority of the apostles and the unchanging truth that God moved them to proclaim what they had heard from the beginning. Go back to what you heard from the beginning. Compare what you're hearing now. Think about what you heard from the beginning. We see it back in 1 John 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. 1 John 1.5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. 1 John 2 and verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. You stay in the word. You need the word to stay in you. Let that, what, that, that teaching that you've heard from the apostles and for us, what we have in God's word, let it remain. Let us remain in it. Let it abide in you. It's one of the challenges to the church is that there has always been someone suggesting that they've discovered some new truth, some secret teaching, some hidden meaning, some hidden understanding that's never been revealed before. 
But there are no new truths. You need God's word to help you understand that, that what God has given us, he has given us in his word. He is not holding out on us something that he's going to reveal at some later time if we read between the lines of Scripture. So be wary of people who claim some new truth or some hidden teaching or some new perspective never before discovered or discerned. So-called new doctrines have come and gone over the centuries. But God's children are to keep hold of the truth of God's Word. That's why I often say, do you have your Bible? (laughs) You need to have a Bible. You need the truth of God's Word that you can hold in your hands, that you can hide in your heart, that you can memorize so that when you do not not have the, the Word in your hands, you have it in your heart. And God brings it to your mind to help train your thinking. There are no new truths. There weren't then when this was written, and there aren't now. So be wary of people who claim some new truth or some hidden teaching, some new perspective. We need to cling to the truth of God's Word. Those things that we've been taught from the beginning, those things that were written for us from the beginning, you have that truth in your Bible, and that truth does not change. And yes, the culture that we live in, even some so-called churches will take this word of truth and shape it to to the shape that they'd like to to make it, to, to make it say what they want it to say. But we need to hold to the truth of God's word and what what God intends for us to learn and how he intends to change us and shape us with that word. The truth that your Bible teaches you regarding Christian conduct does not change. And so the command to love one another is not a new truth. Even though we hear, hear phrases, and we've heard phrases like this that make it sound like, well, this is a new truth. No, this is not a new truth. It's an old command with a new example to follow. It's what we talked about before. We've heard this before. We hear it in what Jesus says, in fact, in John thirteen thirty four, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Sounds like a new commandment, but it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment with a new example. Jesus says again in John's Gospel in John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Follow my example in learning how to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Believers had been given the truth from the beginning that they were to love one another. But then along came false teachers, and John warns the church to guard against being deceived. And we can even deceive ourselves if we're not careful. We hear him say back in chapter 2, verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. He says back in verse 7 here in chapter 3, Little children, let no one deceive you. Do not be deceived. And now here... They not only are to allow themselves to hear the Word of God, but they are not to allow themselves to be deceived. Believers could go back to the teaching of the apostles, to what they'd been taught from the beginning. And how are we to be certain that we're not deceived? We're to follow their example. We go back to the apostles' teaching, what God has given us in His Word, what He inspired the writers of the Bible to to pen for us. We too go back to the beginning, to the teaching of the apostles found in the pages of our Bibles. 
And at the heart of that teaching is that followers of Jesus, true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are learning how to love one another. So to keep from being deceived, we must continually go back to our Bibles. And when we go back, we will see that from the very beginning, believers in in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, are taught to love. They are commanded to love. Love is not a feeling. In the, in the economy of the Bible, when God gives a command to love, he's not saying, this is based on your feelings, so go love each other after you feel like it. We are given a new nature in Jesus Christ, and that new nature has a component of love which moves in and takes up residence and begins changing our thinking, changing our actions, changing our speech. Inseparable from being a follower of Jesus is learning to love your fellow believers. And though you may struggle at times, and we do, don't we? Though you may struggle at times to love one another as you should, you now have a learner's permit for love. You have the new nature that Jesus gives you through the indwelling presence of God's Holy Spirit. You have the new nature that the Lord Jesus Christ makes available by His supreme act of love, by shedding His blood for sinners on the cross, by rising from the dead, conquering sin and the grave and death and hell. And then we have the Holy Spirit who moves in and takes up residence and works in our hearts, convicting us when we do not get this right, taking the word of truth as we read it and study it and hear it proclaimed and and devote ourselves and commit ourselves to being obedient to it, the Holy Spirit takes that word and uses it in our hearts and lives to grow us up in Christ. And a component of that growing up is loving like Jesus loves. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be learning to love your brother and sister in Christ because the love of Christ dwells in you and God does not intend for you to remain immature in your love. As verse 9 says, God's seed abides in you. Take heart, believer. Be encouraged. Though your love is imperfect now, God does not intend for you to remain in a static state. He intends for your love to be changing and growing being shaped after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, the believer has been born of God. You have a new birth and a new nature. You have the Holy Spirit at work in you. You have the Word of God to shape your thinking, to inform your heart. And you learn to love because the Holy Spirit has poured into your heart the capacity for love. Do not say, I cannot love that person. That's probably the person God is trying to teach you through. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That you, First Baptist Church, Mount Pleasant, Michigan, should love one another. It's a simple statement, isn't it? You know, we're all sitting here thinking, this is hard. This is challenging. Yes, it is. And this is... God's help. And this is why we have God's help. We have the Holy Spirit. We have His Word. And we can praise Him for it. For this is the message. From the beginning, proclaimed 
love one another. May we grow in this. May we grow in this spiritual discipline that that the people around us in in Mount Pleasant might say, what they're saying, I have to believe is true because I can see it is changing them. They love each other. They care about each other. May our love grow and flourish and be a, a powerful testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ and be an encouragement in our midst to grow us in unity and fellowship and strength for the cause of Christ.